welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Co-Sleeping. I am so excited to jump in today's episode. We're talking all about the misconceptions of motherhood. I would love to start (laughs) with a very common misconception that others seem to have. And this actually stems from our Instagram Secret Saturdays. Yes, just last Saturday, somebody put up, they want to be a single parent because it would offer them more ease and freedom. I want you to spit some facts on this here. For those of you that might not know, if you follow our Instagram, it's at Coffee and Co-Sleeping Pod. We do a Secret Saturday. This has been done for quite a while, even before I just recently joined Amanda. I've been following along as a viewer and now as someone who's actively involved. And on Saturdays, we open up the inbox for secrets and we post them. We get all types of secrets. Mm -hmm. Juicy stuff, but also really relatable stuff. Mm -hmm. Amanda, you can definitely speak to why Secret Saturdays have been as critical as they have been. People just need, especially with the pandemic, people really just need an outlet. And sometimes people don't need somebody to offer advice. Sometimes you don't need to be told what to do or try this remedy. Sometimes you just need to let it out. A lot of times people go through stuff and we don't know that others are going through it, especially some of the extreme stuff that you're like, I can't be the only one going through this. When you click through the stories, you quickly realize you aren't. And a lot of negative feedback has been received, unfortunately, from the Secret Saturdays with posts like that about being a single mom when people, you know, say, oh, it'd be so much easier. A lot of people will message and be like, oh, that's so wrong. Or why would you share this? And in the same breath, the same Saturday that we're getting this negative feedback, there was a woman who was deciding whether or not to give her child up for adoption. And I had over 50 DMs of people, strangers saying, connect them with this agency. I want to adopt. I want to foster. And this woman found a home for her child through Secret Saturday. So it's so much bigger than some of the negative feedback, not to get off topic there, but something we've done for a while on the page that I always enjoy. I have a lot of fun with my gifts and my fun reactions. I I realize I'm very boring. Like I don't clean my coffee maker. I submitted (laughs) that a few months back. That's about all I've got going on. But there is that big misconception that if you're a single parent, you get more breaks. If there's some type of joint custody, the other parent will have some time. And I think for many people, and I won't speak for you, but I know for you, that's not the case. It's not. I want to put out a bit of a disclaimer is not the right word, but that I'm speaking from my experience Mm -hmm. and from experience from other single parents that I've spoken to and other solo moms that I've Mm -hmm. connected with. Some of us made the choice to be solo parents, either because they didn't have a partner and wanted to become a parent or for other extenuating reasons. And that's a big decision to make, but they entered that journey by choice. And I think that's amazing. Others of us, such as myself, didn't embark on this journey by choice. It was a choice that was made for us. I never thought that I was going to be a solo mom. Mm -hmm. I also have full time my son. It's just me. Mm -hmm. So there are solo parents that don't co-parent. I also don't want to discount that people who do have joint custody or who are co-parenting, that's not a walk in the park. Mm -hmm. Even if you have a great co-parenting situation, there are still some really complicated emotions that come up with that. And I think media kind of does a bad job sometimes of portraying those not so common dynamics. I remember there was a TV show that like the dad lived in the garage or even on just spoiler alert on the latest season of This Is Us, he like lives in the garage. It's not always so like peachy clean. Like this is, you know, everyone's happy and we're moving on and my stepmom and stepdad are best friends. These dynamics don't always come into play so easily. A lot of people have the misconception that nothing will change after having a child. My husband and I were married for seven years before we had a daughter. So we had seven years of just him and I. So then bringing in a child was a plus that we were so established and comfortable in our relationship, but also like what a wrench 
marriage to throw in after seven years. You think your spouse will be a certain way as a parent, and sometimes you're surprised either way. Sometimes you're surprised because you're blown away by their fatherly instinct and, oh my God, he helps so much. And then other times it's like, what the hell? Come on, like, you know, where's my partner? Like for my husband and I, we made the decision together to start a family and have a child. So that's not something that a lot of people take lightly. And I think sometimes people are really left disappointed when they see either way how it could go. One thing I think we do as moms is we compare journeys a lot. We do that as humans outside of motherhood. Mm -hmm. I would never compare the pain that I felt after becoming a solo mom. I would never compare or say my journey is any harder or less Mm -hmm. hard than another parent's. I don't think marriage is easy. I would never say that someone who's in a marriage has it so much better than I do. They have their struggles. Yeah, There are silver linings to me raising my son the way that I am. And there have been things that I've been grateful for that I couldn't have imagined played out the way they did. There's also a lot of hurt and a lot of grief. Being a solo parent is so much more than, oh, I get X amount of days free. Let's say I wasn't that type of dynamic. It's not like those days I am free to enjoy life single and free without a care in the world. It's like if right now I had 48 hours free every here and there, every week, it would be a mad dash to the finish line to get everything done because there's a laundry list of things that I'm just never able to get done. Not even that, but you would be pumping around the clock because you'd be away from your child. You would be stressed the F out how this baby is sleeping because he sleeps next to you. You'd be wondering, you'd be wondering everything. What are they doing? Where are they going? Is the car seat buckled correctly? I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what he's thinking. What did he eat today? Like, Imagine spending that time away from your child. You don't just turn the switch off. Okay, he's with the other parent. It's me now. It's me time. I thought that I I would be able to. Like going out with friends, going places. I don't know. It seemed like, why wouldn't you be able to? And I know for me, the biggest misconception that I had, and I'm sure a lot of people would would agree with it. It's the concept of the village and what support would look like for us. New parents are often surprised by who sticks around after they have a baby. Sometimes people who have lots of family and friends and this awesome support system, they have a child and it ends up being the opposite. You know, maybe their friends don't have kids and don't understand, you know, the drastic shift in their life, or maybe their parents are just busy or don't understand. Sometimes with our parents and in-laws, yes, they're parents, but it had been so long ago, they almost forget even like, I mean, my daughter's three and a half and I have a hard time remembering like the newborn days, the fuzziness of being tired all the time and just kind of working on autopilot. So I can see how people who have been removed from that for a little bit are like, well, why can't you make it to a 7.30 PM? That builds a lot of resentment too within families. And for my husband and I, it's really actually been the opposite. It's always been him and I, you know, we got married young, moved 3000 miles away from home and kind of started our life together all with within six days. So um, fun fact, within like 72 hours, we were engaged, married and moving 3000 miles away, like Mm -hmm. peace. And his parents were like, what the heck? And you know, it worked, but we thought parenthood would be no different. It's kind of been like my husband and I against the world. After we had Kennedy, you know, I definitely had some friends who didn't have children. I still love them to death, but like, we don't really hang out. Like our dynamic has just shifted. We've just been really, really surprised by the family that we have built in the absence of our real blood family. So I don't know, I thought so desperately after having my daughter that we would be like, okay, I need to be close to family. I need to be back home. I need her to have what I had. I was raised by my grandparents. She needs to have that. She needs to be around family. And for so long, I felt like we're having her at a disadvantage because we're not around family and quickly realized that there's really something special to be said about the family that you create for yourselves. Because every day you're choosing to be in these people's lives. And that's been the case for us with our friends. 
I've loved hearing about how you cultivated your own village mm-hmm. post Kennedy, which is hard to yeah. do. And it's part of what I've loved about coffee and co-sleeping is it's been mm-hmm. like a virtual village, especially for those of us that had our babies in the midst of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Quickly just touch on the secret Saturdays once more. The single parents, I'm there with you, especially those of you that do not have a co-parent. The thought of being on 24-7, that stresses me out. My husband was away for two months for school. I don't have his physical help support. I still have his financial support, his emotional support. I still had him to call and be like, help me through this or talk to Kennedy and help her through this. But there's people that don't have that. Having to be on physically 24-7 for her was... It's a lot. And when you do see those secrets come in, what I wanted to say was when you see someone say, oh my God, I wish I was a single mom or I wish I was a single dad. I wish I had my free time. Instead of being like, oh my God, if they only knew, which I do every single time. Imagine what situation they have to be in to be wishing that. That's what I think too. That person has to be hurting to be wishing that because we know on the other side of that what it looks like. I hope we can do that through our podcast as unite us because mm-hmm. for as differently as we may have it in a lot of ways, we feel a lot of the same feelings at our cores, whether you have a partner or not, or what your family looks like or what your village looks like. Mm-hmm. We yeah. all want the same things as parents and for our children, whether you make the decision or the decision is made for you being mm-hmm. on your own and raising your child. I always think is better than being in a relationship that doesn't serve you and therefore doesn't serve your child. You have to preserve your own mental well-being in whatever ways that you can. And if that means leaving a relationship that isn't the right relationship for you, it's hard physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, but you're making the right choice for your child long-term. There's a lot of things that are more difficult just in terms of care and decision-making. They feel so much heavier now, but I have built my own village and I'm becoming extremely intentional. So there are gifts. I'm learning how Mm -hmm. to navigate this and there's a sense of pride that comes with that. There's no handbook for this too on the best way to navigate the situation and how to make these decisions on your own and what's next. And that's so true. Your support system in your village also looks polar opposite. You know, what you thought it would be, you thought that it would be you and your spouse and, you know, he would be your support system. I mean, of course you've been close with your family, so you knew they would be a big part of your support system and village, but you didn't realize they would be number one. For me, it's the opposite. Like I thought we would have nobody and we've really, you know, had to, you know, obviously put the work in and build these relationships and friendships. And I've struggled with it because like relying on other people almost and having people support you and ask for help and these like back and forth relationship dynamics it's like oh I can trust you like you're a part of this but that's just you know hashtag childhood trauma there that will unpack (laughs) another day why you know why everyone's just gonna leave me once they get close to me and you know I had a close friend went to x-ray school together and she still lives locally but I haven't seen her in two years nothing happened we work for the same company cross paths and oh yeah we gotta get together we got to get together. But like her idea of hanging out and getting together is going to a bar at 8pm on a Saturday night, I need to be home to my daughter to bed. And that goes back to what we were saying last week, right now, I'm really defined by motherhood. And I'm okay with that. I think there's a balance that comes into play, which is why I do have a lot of close friends that don't have children, they've come into my life one before I had Kennedy and one after and it really says something for friends who are willing to love on your children just as much as they love on you and value your friendship it really really says a lot for the people that they are everyone's village looks different redefining that 
has been something I've worked with. You know, I don't speak to my parents. So I always thought like, oh, well, my, I, I don't have a support system. I don't have a mom and dad. It can be your best friends and it can be a virtual village. It can be your nanny that you've changed the schedule on seven times because that's life. And who's like, yeah, I'm here. I got it. It doesn't just have to be the people that you expect it to be. And I think sometimes we're disappointed and sometimes we're surprised by who sticks around. I found that to be true for myself. And there's no trophy for who has it hardest. There's no even way to quantify who has it worse mm-hmm. than someone else because everything is subjective. So we're all just in this together. All moms, we're all trying to do what's right for ourselves and our kids and navigating something that's near impossible to navigate because there's no way to prepare for this, which brings mm-hmm. me to the biggest misconception I had about becoming a mom was that there was a way that I could prepare for this. Mm. I purposely waited until I was in my 30s. I wanted to make sure that I felt like I was in a place where I would be a good mom. I wanted Mm -hmm. to check off all these boxes before becoming a mom. And I did. And I wanted to feel like I had done the work on myself. And I wanted to, you know, have the nursery and I wanted to read the books and I wanted to triple check my registry with friends. That brings me, do you know what I was thinking about the other day? You just brought up registry and I was thinking about it the other day. When you were making yours and you were (laughs) sending me and asking these questions, you had nothing on the registry at three things. You were researching the best bath toys. (laughs) And I just, I laugh about it. And I don't mean to because a lot of people want, we want what's best for our children. And did you use half that shit that you spent all that time researching? And absolutely not. Nope. Either you didn't like it or he was like, I don't like this pacifier. I don't take one. I don't like this bath toy. I actually hate baths. (laughs) There's absolutely no way. There's no way to prepare for this. (laughs) There's just no way because what you don't take into account is this is a human and they're going to have their own preferences and they're going to like things and not like things, not what you buy. And outside of the registry and outside of the physical preparation and the buying what you think that you might need and they might need, I found that the things that I heard were going to be the biggest challenges were get ready to never sleep again, get ready to never sleep again. No, my God, labor and delivery, labor and delivery. So I was obsessed with labor and delivery. I didn't think super far past that. I thought that was going to be the hardest part. That was the easiest part. For sure. That says a lot. That says a lot. I think we get hung up on that. What I didn't realize, the challenges or opportunities. I actually like that word better because they have been opportunities. Oh, yeah. oh my God, stuff is coming up within me that I haven't felt in a really long time or that I need to examine that I didn't realize I needed to examine until mm-hmm. I had it. The challenges have been getting real with myself mm-hmm. and unlearning things that desperately need to be unlearned. If I don't have those resources, that means I need to get into therapy, talk to other moms mm-hmm. who might've experienced this, be real about it. You know, I can't mm-hmm. hide behind these mechanisms anymore because I definitely don't want my son to. I think motherhood really has a way of exposing that and really showing what you need to work on to be better for your child, to not hand down these things. And what do I want to teach them? What do I want to show them? That pressure of being responsible for raising a good human, that's a lot. And feeling like you have to be on all the time is stressful. And I'm, I mean, I've said it before, I'm such a type A planner. I want to look into everything. And I didn't stress out about labor and delivery until like 37 weeks. And I was like, oh, this could happen any day now. Like I didn't go to any of the birth classes. I didn't take a breastfeeding class. I didn't read a single book. I remember thinking like, this is so not in my behavior. I like to be prepared. I like, you know, what if worst case scenario, what am I doing here? And, you know, I I didn't do a lot of that. And I think since becoming a mom, I realized like what you're saying, you can't prepare for that. You can read every single book. You can read every single study and do everything right or what you believe to be right. And then you can have a child that does not sleep. And you're like, wow, I'm in survival mode. I have that perfect nursery. Like this, I mean, this is the case for me. I spent hours on what crib I want 
wanted for it to store laundry, you know, and I spent so much time picking out the, well, this pacifier is you know, closely related to the breast and this bottle is supposed to be the best because it's BPA free and it's this. Okay. Well then you have a child that doesn't take a pacifier. It doesn't take a bottle or, you know, you spend all your time researching and taking classes for breastfeeding. And then you have a child that has a tongue tie and has issues latching. Oh, well now I need to figure out how to pump or now I need to educate myself on the best formula. And there's so many what ifs that come into play that you don't know. You don't know how you'll react. You don't know how your child is going to be in the situations. I think for me, I thought since a very young age, I've been like, I want to be a mom. Like that's my ultimate goal and intention. Everything else can fall at the wayside. I feel like I always saw it and I always saw it a little bit younger. And I always thought, you know, oh, as soon as I meet her, like it's going to be that instant bond. It's going to be that connection. Like this is my daughter. And I, I had that, but I think we also would be doing a disservice to the moms if we didn't mention those that didn't have that. In my head, I was like, of course, it's my daughter. Like I've carried her for nine months. We're going to be instantly connected. That isn't always true. It's funny you say that. I was talking to my mom who I'm living Mm -hmm. with right now. I mentioned that Mm -hmm. in our last episode, but for those of you who are just tuning in, I'm living with my parents right now. Never thought I would be saying that at 34 years old. My mom said to me, you know, you've really surprised me as a mother. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what seeing you as a mom would be or how you would be as a mom, but you've really surprised me. Like I admire it. And she said, I didn't have that. When I first had you guys, I felt really disconnected for a while and the newborn days were so hard for me. And watching you as Aiden's mom, just bleary eyed, but waking up and kissing his forehead, I didn't feel that. I was crying and I I couldn't wait to fast forward until you guys were like two years old. I hated not being able to communicate verbally with you. I hated not knowing what you were feeling. I hated feeling the sense of inadequacy. She said, it's interesting. It's interesting to look back now on how I felt in early motherhood, the phases and stages that I loved and that I felt like I was more comfortable with versus watching you as a mom and seeing where you've been more connected and what you've really you know, mm-hmm. enjoyed about being a mom. So yeah, absolutely. It, it's not uncommon for it to take mm-hmm. time to have that click. Don't feel the pressure to like have that instant moment mm-hmm. when the baby comes out of you to, oh my God, it could take time. I've had friends who have said the same thing. It's not mm-hmm. uncommon. So many of us get caught up in the idea of having to love every moment. And it's like, that's just not, that's just not realistic. And it again, sets yourself up for disappointment and for failure. And I've often felt really guilty at times for not being an A plus mom on it all the time. I thought, you know, I'm very, um, I like structure. I like things to all be a certain way in a certain place. So I thought I would be a bit like I loosely follow like a Montessori method and I'm definitely a minimalist. So I thought like, well, we're not going to have, you know, much screens and all of our toys are going to be a certain way. And it's like, no, just last week I said to my husband, I looked at him and I was like, I don't want to parent today. I was like, I want to sit on the couch on TikTok. My daughter watched like Disney on ice back to back. And I went like a year back on this like TikTok page, I thought, but it was like, I needed that. And I had said, I think it was the same day that I said to you, I was like, oh, I can feel that I'm not being the best mom right now. Like I need something like I need to shift. I need to switch something up because something, you know, I'm not a plus and I'm not, I'm not giving this my best right now and we want all the time to give our children our best and to love every moment but it's like sometimes this shit is just hard and it's not always enjoyable and it's not always going to be what we see on social media social media is its own little world that can kind of show the best parts 
of someone's day. And I know one of our biggest missions with Coffee and Co-Sleeping is we want to normalize all aspects of motherhood and the real motherhood. And that includes the messy parts, you know, not just the glamorous parts we see on social media. That's why, you know, this video call my hair, I don't know what it's doing, but I was like, I got caught up doing something and this is, this is real life. This is not, you know, a perfect little box with a bow, even though we try to present that all the time. It's it's not always going to be like that. And I think embracing those messy moments have really been important for me because it shows my daughter, hey, you know, I don't have to live up to, you know, my mom who was perfect. Like my mom, you know, I have her on this pedestal. She was perfect. I want to be just like her. I can't disappoint her. Like, oh no, my mom had times that she like cried in the bathroom because she was overwhelmed. That's normal. (laughs) I had a friend who just gave birth last month, text me recently and say, hey, just now able to wrap my head around anything. No one told me it was going to be this hard. They just said it would be magical. (laughs) (laughs) I can't totally relate because everyone told me it was going to be extremely hard. I don't know if it's like a 30s thing. I don't know if they're like, okay, she can handle this. This is going to be difficult. What did I tell you? Did I tell you like, you're not going to sleep? Because I feel like that. You didn't. You're someone who's really good about not offering advice unless it's asked. You never made me feel like, oh, she's coming at me with all this stuff. But you had just been through all these things that I was about to go through. I was living it, man. I feel like even when I'm just like out at the store, people are always like, oh, I remember when mine were that young. You're going to miss this. You're going to miss this. Although while I'm sure that's true, like that's not helping. Like you have no idea. Like I was up all night. Like I'm tired. I'm cranky. She literally just had a meltdown over this Paw Patrol ice cream that I don't want to buy because it's junk. I don't need you to tell me that, you know, I'm going to miss this. Like I know I'm living the best moments of my life right now. It's okay if right now this sucks and it doesn't feel like the best moment because, you know, in a month from now, I'm going to look back and be like, oh, Oh, wow, you know, it was or a couple of years from now. And, you know, try not to be disappointed if your motherhood journey doesn't look the way that you thought it would. Because I know my journey definitely doesn't look the way I thought it would. My, does my, you know, even my life. Yeah. Like even my life at this point at, you know, I wanted, I just turned 30 in November. I wanted to be done having children at 30. I'm not. And that was a goal I set for myself at like 23. You know, my intentions and goals and what I wanted for my life has changed in the past, shoot, six months, never mind past seven years. You know, I'm writing my journey in pencil so I can erase, write more things in. It's not hard copy. It's changing. It's messy. It's chaotic. I always say like my life is like a like type A meet chaos. My husband's like really obviously know him. He's very reckless. He's very chaotic. We were late starting this because because of my chaos. And I'm very like type A. So it's life. That's all I got on that. If we're scaring you a bit, we're definitely not trying to. All we're trying to do is highlight that don't be conflicted or worried if things come at you that you weren't expecting because there are so many amazing things that I remember pre-parenthood people saying, it's just this love. I can't describe it. And I was like, I wonder, wonder what they mean. Like how different could it be from other types of love that they can't even describe it? What does that even mean? And now that I'm here, I'm like, I don't even have a word for what I feel when I look at my son or when I'm sleeping next to my son or when I'm hugging my son. There's not a word for this love. And I wasn't prepared for that either in a good way. He is the love of my life. Nothing will ever change that. It's something that no matter how much I wished for him and wanted him and couldn't wait for him, holy hell, what an experience (laughs) to actually have him here and to feel that. 
You think you'll be a certain way in any situation, not just motherhood. You think you know how you'll react or how somebody else will react, whether that's your spouse or your family, and you really have no idea until you're in it because of external factors, internal factors, whatever it is. You never, I mean, we're all perfect parents before we're a parent. Absolutely. You think you're going to do things a certain way, even co-sleeping. I was like, yeah, you know, we'll have the baths next, next to the bed for six months. At six months, she'll go in the pack and play till she's one. Okay, well, what happened when for an hour, every time I put her in the pack and play, she woke up crying? I'm not doing that. My nine month old made the decision. I'm going in bed with you guys. Like that's, you know, my three year old is making the decision to continue breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, releasing a little bit of the control of what we thought our motherhood journey was going to be and really embracing what it is. And that's okay if things change along the way. We're constantly evolving and learning and getting new information and new skills. So it's, it's okay that it changes. And it's okay if it doesn't look the way that you thought it did, because maybe it's exactly what it was always intended to be. And I know I've said that to you. Maybe it's better. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Maybe, maybe it is better in some cases. That's very true for most people. So we will catch you guys next week. So if you haven't already, give us a follow on at Coffee and Co Sleeping Pod and make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And until next week, cheers, mamas. Mm -hmm.